0: We're talking about wealth this morning, and I'm first of all going to start off with kind of defining wealth, because here's the thing. We can say, um, I I don't have much money, but I've got my health, and therefore I am wealthy. Well, that's one way to look at it, but I do believe that the verses in Proverbs that we're going to be looking at today and the, the other parts of the Bible that we're going to be looking at, when it talks about wealth, it is actually talking about the accumulation of assets and possessions, the typical definition of wealth. So yeah, we're going to talk about wealth and about building assets and stuff for the future and what does God have to say about that. And I find it interesting because our culture seems to have a love-hate relationship with wealth. We're all on this track together where we're attempting to build some kind of wealth. We want to make sure that, that we have something set aside for retirement. We maybe want something set aside for our children so they can have a better life. We want to enjoy life while we're living it before we ever get to those golden years we want to have some money to spend to enjoy life while we're here. We're all doing that and, and we're looking to build wealth. But this is the thing, when we see other people who have achieved that desire and they built their wealth, we get a little judgmental. When we start to look and say, huh, how come they've got that much? And well, if I have that much, I sure wouldn't spend it that way. And you know, they probably got there because they were dishonest and they did that on the backs of other people and We have all these negative things to say, especially the richer the person is. The high-up executive in a a corporation, and every time you hear about the profits of a corporation going up and the CEO got a salary increase, oh, we get all uptight, and it's like, oh, it's not fair. And You know, I'm buying their product, and it went up 20% last year, and now look at him. Isn't he doing what you're trying to do too? Build a better life for the future. Build a better life for his children. So we have this... Weird love-hate relationship with wealth. We want it. We want to pursue the dream at the same time. We also want a little bit of control over how that wealth is spent. We get a little judgmental about how other people maybe are using their wealth. Why is that? Maybe we're jealous. Let's be honest. We're a little jealous. We would like to have what they have. We get that. But maybe we also think if we have that much money, we would spend it differently. How often have you said, well, if will pay as much money as that guy did, I'd give to this and I'd give to that and I'd do this and I'd, you know, I'd make this person's life better if only I had the money to do that. But here's the reality. We all are wealthier than someone else. We all have something to give. We all have ways that we could change our current lifestyles, cut back, keep the same salary, live more simply, give away the difference. So before we start judging the CEO who's spending his millions in some way that we disagree with, we need to look at our own hearts and our own attitude toward what we have and how we're using what we have been given. And it's also tempting to sit here and think, I'm not wealthy. Never going to be wealthy. Far enough along in life to figure that part out. This really doesn't apply to me. There's no assets. There's no accumulation of anything. It's, you know, hand to mouth living and that's all I've got. So I'm just going to tune out. Please don't tune out. There is something in here for everyone. Because doesn't it depend on how you, who you compare yourself to, whether you say, I'm wealthy or I'm not wealthy? If you look at, there's research that's done on the internet, I have a source here if you really want it. Um, Canada is actually uh, written kind of in the top 25% of so the wealthiest countries in the world. There are only 10 countries, actually, that have a higher share of the world's wealth than Canada. And there are 138 countries that have less wealth than Canada. So just by the very fact that you live in Canada, you are more wealthy than about 74% of the world's population. So you do have something to give, something to share, something to listen to what God has to say about how you get it and what you do with it. Here's the crux of the matter. Is the pursuit of wealth wrong? Is it a sin to, to want to be wealthy? to have something for the future, to spend some of that money on pleasures for yourself. Is that a sin? Is it a sin for a Christian to be rich? Or likewise, is it wrong? Is it a sin for a Christian to be poor? Does that show some sort of lack of faith in their life that they're just not believing God for enough increase, that they're doing something wrong? Does God reward Christians with wealth and then just withdraw it when he's displeased with them? Or is he pleased even more with those who are poor than those who spend money on themselves and onto their families. Well, in a nutshell, God doesn't favor anyone over another. If you want the scripture verses to prove that, I've got several listed in my notes, but I won't take time to go over them right now. But God does not show favor to any one person over another, and he tells us that we are not to do that either. Proverbs 22.2 says, The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. He promises his blessings on both of them. So we need to look at blessings as not just monetary rewards. Because obviously, there are people who don't have a lot of money, especially if you think of Christians in other countries than Canada, who are clearly blessed by God. But maybe not in the same way that we think of blessing. When God looks at both the rich and the poor... What he's looking for is a right attitude and right actions. Pursuing or not pursuing wealth, being rich, being poor, it's not a sin in and of itself. The sin comes in when our attitude toward being rich or poor puts us in control instead of putting God in control. It comes down to trust. Do you trust God for your future and your family's future? There are poor people who trust God far more than the rich counterparts for their everyday provisions in life. And there are rich people who, like Job, were humble and said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who can roll with those ups and downs and flow of life. It's all in the attitude and the trust that we have in God to provide whether things are good or things are bad financially. There are poor people who are anxious and fearful who worry, even though the Bible clearly says, be anxious for nothing, their attitude is sinful also. Because it's not about being rich or poor, but about following what the Bible says about how we should respond and how we should trust God no matter what's going on around us. Proverbs 15, 16 says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures with troubles. Are you content? With what God has given you? That's what He's looking for gratitude, contentment, trust. See, how we acquire our wealth and what we do with it matters to God. And our attitude in the process of the ups and downs of life matters to God. God wants us to acquire our wealth honestly, honorably, and through hard work. And then He wants us to use what we've acquired generously to honor him as you read through the book of proverbs you'll notice that what matters to god is often different than what we think matters we just think he's not all that concerned with whether or not we amass the wealth but what he matters is the character that we display in the process of amassing wealth going through life making money spending it saving for the future it's the attitude that matters it's the character that we display in all of that. His goals are often different than our goals, and certainly different from what society says. So we're going to read what God says about how we are to build our wealth honestly, honorably and through hard work, and just check out the goals that He prioritizes. Let's look at honesty. Proverbs 13:11: uh, "Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. The goal isn't wealth. The goal is honest labor. Proverbs 28, 6. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than a one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. The goal isn't to be rich. The goal is integrity. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Proverbs 16, 8. The goal isn't revenue. The goal is righteousness that leads to justice. Be cautious about what you're willing to do to get wealthy. Remember that it all comes down to trusting God to provide for you. If you have to cut corners, if you have to behave illegally or unethically, if you have to cheat the government or other people to get ahead, you're not trusting God for to provide for you now and for your future. 1 Peter 2:13 through 20. Several verses there, I'm kind of jumping, skipping a couple of them there. But everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which is from God. The authorities that exist have been appointed by God. Justin Trudeau is appointed by God to lead this country for this time. Donald Trump has been appointed by God to lead America at this time. If you're speaking against him and sending out nasty memes... You're speaking against God who put them in that place of authority. Just a little side there. Consequently, the one who resists authority is opposing what God has set in place, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authority, not only to avoid punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who devote themselves to their work. Everyone what you owe him, taxes to whom taxes is due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. be indebted to no one except to one another in love, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. So that brings us to debt. The proverbs 22:7 says, "The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is subject to the lender. Is it wrong? to operate a line of credit to sustain your business? Probably not if your goals are in line with God's heart for you. But if you're using credit cards to amass possessions in order to fit in with society or to try to make yourself happy, you're not only doing the opposite of gaining wealth. You are also, you've got a heart issue that you need to sort out with God. Are you being grateful to God for what you have? Or are you just trying to have everything else and kind of make you happy and and not be grateful, but wish for what you don't have instead? Are you using possessions to mask insecurity or pain or a deeper emotional need that you need to find healing for in the word of God and in the counsel of godly Christian leaders? God wants us to honor him as we pursue wealth also. Proverbs 3, 9 uh, through 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions with the first fruit of all your increase. That leaves room for having wealth and possessions is assumed we have them. Honor the Lord with your possessions. So it's assumed you do have possessions. It's okay to have them. But honor the Lord with them. That's what they're there for. It's not just about pleasing yourself. And what are first fruits? Well, quite literally... In the agricultural society that ancient Israel lived in, when the Proverbs were written, they would take the first crops that they made, their orchards, their vineyards, their whatever they grew, the first things that, that were harvested from that were the first fruits. And God said elsewhere in the Old Testament, He explained to them that as a way of recognizing that He's the one who provides the sun and the rain to, to grow those crops, and as a way of showing gratitude to Him for His provision, They were to take those first fruits, the first part of their harvest, and take it to the temple, which is where they worshiped God. There it was given to the priests. The priests did not grow their own crops. Their full-time job was to minister in the temple. So the crops that the people brought in, that first fruit from their own crops, was what helped to feed the priests and their families. And as well, the priests used that to give out to orphans, to widows, to those who didn't have enough crops to feed themselves and their families, and they would distribute that to those who were in need. So fast forward through the New Testament and on to modern days, God reinforced throughout the Bible this idea of what we now call tithing, also a biblical concept here. It's bringing in the first tenth of our income, the first 10% of whatever we make, and bringing it to the church, which is the modern-day temple. And that money is used to pay those who are in full-time ministry and to provide ministry to people who are in need and through all the various ministries that we do. That's one way that we honor God with our wealth is by bringing the first fruits in. We, how else do we honor God? Well, Proverbs 15, 16 says, Better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure with troubles. Again, we have the goal isn't treasure. The goal is to fear the Lord. What is it to fear the Lord? There certainly should be a little bit of fear in there. Not that he's punitive, but he certainly has a power over life and death. But it really means to respect him. How are you respecting God in how you use your wealth and how you think about it, how you spend it, how you plan for the future? Are you honoring God by showing respect to him with what you do with what you have? Proverbs 22, one says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Again, the goal is not silver and gold and riches. The goal is a good reputation in favor with others. So as you're amassing your wealth, that's your goal, honoring God through having a good reputation, finding favor with God and with others through the way you manage your money, the way you earn it and the way you spend it. You're honoring God by having a good reputation in that area of life. Now, let's not confuse a uh, trusting God to provide for your future with being lazy now. It's not biblical to just say, well, if God's going to provide for my future, then I don't have to do anything. I'll just sit around, and take it easy. He'll provide, he'll provide. That's not biblical either. It matters to God that we earn our riches honestly and honorably and also through hard work. Solomon, the king who wrote most of the Proverbs in the uh, book of Proverbs that we are studying through this message series, he was a pretty smart guy. And um, he had a great sense of balance in this. On the one hand, he says, do not overwork to be rich. That's Proverbs 23.4. But on the other hand, he says, don't fall for get-rich-quick schemes either. Work for what you earn. Proverbs 28.20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. The goal isn't to be rich. The goal is to be faithful. Paul was a follower of Jesus that lived uh, after Jesus did in the New Testament times. And in the years after Jesus rose from the dead and went back to heaven, Paul wrote a lot of letters to the churches that were starting out there in the Middle East area. In one of his letters to a church that met in a town called Thessalonica, he said, The one who is unwilling unwilling to work shall not eat. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. That's pretty clear that we are to work. Now, please note that it does not say, un- it says unwilling, does not say unable. There's no shame and there's no judgment in having to accept help sometimes. We've got great, great social programs here in Canada that are there for that purpose. We have a church family, you have family and friends. There are many of us who have many times in life have reached out and accepted help When times are tough, and there is no shame in doing that, there is a difference between being unwilling to work and being unable to make enough to meet your basic needs. Just wanted to make that very clear. That is biblical also, that we are to share, we are to give, we are to always be giving to the poor. Well, sometimes the poor is a temporary situation that one of us is walking through, and we are there for each other. That's biblical. Often, our frustration with seeing other people's wealth is how they spend it. They spend lavishly on themselves. It's they, just for their own pleasure, and sometimes it seems quite ridiculous the things that they spend money on or how much they spend. Who needs multiple cars, multiple houses, multiple shoes? They spend ridiculous amounts of money. When you read the prices of some of the dresses that, that go down the red carpet, and you're like, who needs to spend that much on a dress? You wear it once. Like it just, there's some ridiculous ways that people spend money out there. A lot of that comes down to Greed. They're greedy. That's their motivation. Always wanting more and more more for themselves, trying to fill an empty space, trying to find pleasure in stuff and instead of in God himself. And that's why we often kind of look a little judgy at them and get a little frustrated with how they spend it. Because the motivation for accumulating wealth is not to bring pleasure to ourselves but to please God and to honor Him. He cares how we build our assets. He cares that we're honest and that we work hard. He cares about our attitude, that we're humble, that we're faithful, that we're trusting Him. And then He cares about what we do with the wealth we build. His plan for our wealth is generosity, not greed. Generosity is God's antidote to greed. As you get to know God and follow His path for your life, you'll discover that his truths are often opposite of what seems humanly logical or or right by the world's standards. He says, if you want to save your life, lose it. He says, if you want to experience power and strength, embrace your weakness, and his power will shine through. And he also says, if you want to uh, be rich, give away your money. What? That doesn't seem to make logical sense at all. In God's economy, there is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one that withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. That seems very backward to our way of thinking. If you keep scattering your money, you shouldn't logically experience increase, Yet that's exactly what God says will happen. Proverbs 28, says, A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. Proverbs 22:9 9 says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives his bread to the poor. So let's look at a comparison between an evil eye and a generous eye. An evil eye leads to greed and poverty. A generous eye leads to blessing. You can give without being generous. That's just giving out of pride, maybe giving out of obligation. Generosity is a way of life. Proverbs 22.9 refers to someone who has a generous eye. Not a hand, an eye. How do you look at life? Is it all about getting ahead? Is it all about having the good things in life and, and amassing that wealth? Or is it it, it about making yourself happy or is it all about making others happy? How do you look at life? Are you looking for ways to spend money on yourself or are you looking for ways to spend money on others, to meet others' needs, to please God through the way that you give and the way that you spend your money? See, generosity starts with the eye, the way that you look at life on a daily basis. Then it moves to the heart before it ever moves to your hand. Paul told the church in Corinthia, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. God doesn't want to coerce generosity. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Generosity is God's antidote to greed. Proverbs 21, 26 says, He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. Jesus told a similar story in Luke 12. Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Right from Jesus' mouth. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain uh, uh, laid out for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Rich toward God. Oh, there's a phrase that should stick in your mind. I came across and thought, I don't know that I've ever read that before, and I've read that story a lot of times but rich toward God. How are you living rich toward God? Is it okay for a Christian to be rich? Yes. What matters is your attitude. What matters is how you obtain that money, and what matters is what you spend it on. Is it okay for a Christian to be poor? Yes. What matters is your attitude. What matters is how you get that money. And what matters is what you spend it on. You see, it comes back to the heart. It's not about the outward living, the outward stuff. It's about your heart. I recognize this is a really difficult struggle just to live out in daily life. If you're like me, you question, is it okay to, to buy a Starbucks drink or should I give that money to the poor? You question, it, I, I feel guilty. Like, I'm planning a vacation or I'm buying a house. Like, should I be doing that? On the other hand, you, you, you feel guilty for enjoying the pleasures in life, but when money is tight, you feel resentful, you feel angry, you question whether you've done something that made God mad at you or something like that. There's a lot of emotions tied up with money. And what we need to do is remember that that's just it. They're emotions. That's not truth. We need to go back to the Word of God and look at the truth of the Word of God. And the truth is that the Bible is full of tension on this subject. The Bible, on one hand, says the poor will always be with you. And on the other hand, it says if God has given you wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, go ahead, accept your lot, and be happy. This is a gift from God. That's right out of Ecclesiastes. The Bible tells us to give to the poor, to help the oppressed and the needy. God recognizes that there will always be tension between enjoying our wealth and caring for others, using our wealth for that. So when you struggle with those emotions, those decisions, this is where you need to rely on the Holy Spirit. The answer is going to be different for each person. How should you spend your wealth? Should you be acquiring wealth and saving and setting aside for the future? Or should you just give it away to the poor? I don't know. But God does. And that answer will be different for each person. This is where it comes down to your relationship with God. Walking closely with him. Walking with the Holy Spirit, asking for help, and you make those decisions. Check your attitude. Are you being grateful? Are you being content? Are you trusting God? Is there any part of your decision that's about keeping up with someone else or what other people will think? Or is it focused on what God will think? That's really what it comes down to, is your personal walk with Jesus Christ. You're asking him your surrender, saying, I want to trust you, and I want to spend my life being rich toward you, God. Show me what that means for me, for my family, and how I can live this out. And if you're at a place where you're not content with what you have, we all go through those times. Money is tight. Maybe money is not tight, and you're still not content. That is certainly an issue, too. But you know what? You can talk to God about that. It's okay to go and say, "God, I'm not happy with this situation right now, and I'm not happy with you. I'm not feeling content and I'm not feeling grateful for what I have." Express that to him and then confess. I know. That's a sinful attitude and I confess that to you. I repent. I ask for your help. Ask for his help to change that heart and that attitude because you probably can't you can't. You can't do it on your own. You will need his grace, his help in order to change how you feel by walking in his truth. So today, there's no room for judgment, no room for looking at someone else and saying, how can they call themselves a Christian and spend their money that way? No, it's between each person and God, and it's a personal relationship with him. Honor God through your attitude toward what he has given you. Recognize that he is the one who's given you the wisdom and the knowledge and the skills that you need to earn a living. Do you recognize that? We're not all farmers who can say, well, yeah, God gave the sun and the rain and therefore my crop grew. If you notice the Bible story that Jesus told, it says that the ground grew an abundant crop. It doesn't say the man grew an abundant crop. It said the ground yielded an abundant harvest. That's God's hand at work. And just as he is in your life, he has given you the skills, the wisdom, the knowledge that you need to earn your living. Do you recognize that that is from God and it's not you that's doing this. It's not you that's being uh, successful. It is God giving you that opportunity and allowing you to earn a living so that you can honor him with it. I want to just close in prayer that God would help us to learn how to be rich toward God in how we handle our finances and how we look to the future, still trusting him and still needing to build Build wealth. And what does that look like? And as we work through that, that tension that's there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you put very practical words into the word that you left us, the Bible. It's not, a, it's not all abstract. It's not, it's not un, uh, irrelevant to our lives. But God, it's very practical, very relevant. Thank you for talking about wealth, talking about money, helping us to see what you think of this and what's important to you. God, in this moment, we each surrender to you our heart, our attitude toward money, toward wealth, toward the good things of life. We're all in different places, Lord, some with with abundance and some barely scraping by. And yet, you are near to each one of us. And you want each one of us to have a heart of gratitude and trust and contentment no matter where we are in life. God, show us each one how to be honest and honorable in how we earn the money that we we make, to be wise in in how we spend it, to always have a heart that wants to honor you and be rich toward you, God. Help us to look at life through generous eyes. Give us joy. Give us joy as we serve you in this way. That we would give joyfully, not with resentment, not begrudgingly, but with joy. Thank you that you want to be near to each of us. You long for us to come to you with every disappointment and every joy. And to ask for your wisdom and your help in every area of life. And today, Lord, we come and ask for your help and surrender our wealth and our finances to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.